Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. Fell. Music Speaks interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another interview episode of When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. I am your handicap host, James Cox, and my co-host, Brosley, is not here today. Uh, he's, he's attending to some house duties. But uh, we are honored and delighted to have a, our next guest. Uh, having joined YouTube seven years ago in 2013, he has uh, accumulated 804 subscribers with videos, the cover songs, as well as travel vlogs, travel videos, and blogs. He is a supporter of video games. One in particular is Monster World, uh, Monster Hunter World. You can chat with him on the Discord server, the Dang Gang, one of the greatest, best names in history. He has played drums for the epic metal band Red Hand in Denial and still does, as well as he plays in some videos for uh, Crazy 88. We're really honored to have him on, uh, on our show today, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tyson Dang. Hello, quite the introduction there. Hello, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so how's, how's life going for you, man? Oh, it's going well. Just uh, still, still living through this uh, COVID quarantine time. I think we're possibly at the tail end, but uh, who knows it's, right now? It's, it's hard to say because no one knows what it is. You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. um, before this, they said that you will, you should have wear masks, and now they say the masks don't work, and now they say that net gators don't work, and they're the same thing as masks. Mm-hmm. So no one knows. You know, it's 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 all confusing. No one knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Twitch, um, you've been a, a long time Twitch, Twitcher, I guess that's what the word is called. Um, uh, I don't know about Monster Hunter World. Um, can you explain it to me and, and, uh, fans who've never heard of it before? Monster Hunter World? Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, one of my favorite games. It's been a franchise for a very long time. I think the game's been around since PlayStation 2. Um, essentially all it is is it's a game of four hunters uh, so it's like online co-op or used to be local co-op but now it's online hunting working together to take down one giant monster Uh, you take down the monster you carve or use its you know skin or claws or what have you to make better armor better weapons so that you can take on scarier monsters right and the cycle continues okay so it's just like a, it's like a, it's a, uh, a role playing game. 
Uh, yeah, it's got a lot of uh, RPG yeah. elements. Sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of like Warcraft Three, cause I, cause I used to play Warcraft Three on the PC, and I love that game to death. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, there's, it's a, it's a really fun game, and there's different ways to play it as well. There's like, uh, at least in Monster Hunter World, there's four. Different weapons to choose from, so okay. each each hunter has their own style of gameplay. Right, right. But, but it's all co-op. Right. Okay. Uh, so um, have I don't know if you um, play on PS4, but have you heard of the game called Fall Fall Guys? Yes, that Fall Guys, I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do, uh, do you have it right now? I mean, because it's free uh, for you. Do? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, a like, man, that game is so great. I, I I've been playing with my friends and. It's it's wild, you know. <laughs> it's it's hectic. There's, yes. What is it like? Sixty people on the on the map, and uh, you're all trying oh. to get your way through the end. Right? Yeah, yeah. You have to qualify each each round, and then you mm -hmm. and, and it gets progressively harder as you oh, go up. So yeah. Good. So it's like, oh my god. So if you have anxiety, I don't recommend anybody playing that game. <laughs> so, Did you ever make it to the end? Yeah. Uh, yes, I've been uh, <gasps> I've been um, able to make it to the end one time, but I lost. I did not win that the the, the final round. Ooh, I was I've very, very close. Far. Yeah, so I guess you got to be really lucky on that game, <laughs> you know. So, um, can you tell us about your first music memory? My first music memory. Yeah. Um, just with the band, or just music in general? Um, like your first music memory ever, like 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 as a kid, as an adult. I mean, like when when was the first time you you like, hey, this is kind of cool. You know, I, you know, I really dig this kind of music. Oh, uh, hmm. Yeah, like when you were like a child, a child or something. You know. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of uh, ooh. Yeah, that's a good it's hard, question. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's the first question I I, I always ask my guests. <laughs> I think my first memory might even be, ooh, because I knew that I grew up with a lot of music around the house. So mm -hmm. my dad, he has an acoustic guitar. He would always be playing it at home. I would I would wake up every morning to him playing or to my mom singing in the household. Oh, nice. Um, and he is a. My dad is someone who always, always, always plays music very loud at home. So he's got like the sound system and everything, and he just loves to play like the Scorpions out loud. Or, right, um, <laughs> right, hell yeah. Or a Meatloaf, or um, I don't know, like ABBA, <laughs> even stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, because I always grew up in the in the, in the music music house because my mom. Um, she loves Elvis, so I've heard mm -hmm. Elvis like all the time, and he's great. And my dad, um, his favorite band is Creedence Clearwater Revival, which is oh, some nice. of the best music ever. So I grew up in the same same way you did. I, 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 I music was always playing at my house, you know, mm -hmm. in some form or fashion. So, um, at what point did you say, "Yeah, I want to be a drummer"? You know, I mean, like, like when was the first time you you, you you realize that you wanted to to, to to get behind the dream kit. I'm gonna say it was during grade school, uh, or whichever whichever school it was. It was in grade, it was grade, ooh, six, four, four or five or six, one of those grades. I was I had moved to a new school at that time, mm -hmm. and that school had a drum kit in the classroom, and. 
I was never allowed to play it, but I always looked at it during class. Like every time it was it was teasing me every class. I was I was sitting in the room and the teacher's teaching her thing and the drum kit's just in the corner and I'm like, Oh, I really wanna I really wanna play it, but she would never let me because um I guess in order to actually play the drums, you'd have to be one person that was uh, officially learning the drums in, in class, I guess. Okay. So I never got to play it, but I always wanted to. It wasn't until maybe uh, high school, actually, that I I was allowed to play the drums. Right. Because the music teacher at high school, he had the drum kit there, and he's like, yeah, you want to play? Just, just hop on and play whenever uh, it's lunchtime or you know during the lunch period. Right. Uh, so the music room was always open and I just kind of hopped in there one day and I was like, okay, I'll give this a try. <laughs> and look at you now, right? And, and look at me now. Look at you now, right? Okay. So, um, so, uh, when you were learning how to play drums, did someone teach you or did you, um, taught, did, were you taught by yourself or like, and if you were taught, did you teach yourself by, by ear or like could you read music? A lot of it was by ear. Um, I would say 95% by ear and 5% people people giving me tips and tricks every once in a while. Right. Uh, a lot of it was just by listening to the songs. I think my first few introductions were uh, uh, Yellow Card, Blink-182, uh, Billy Talent, mm -hmm. Alexis on Fire, a few Canadian bands, right. um, Sum 41. And, you know, their songs pretty easy to follow like their drum beats and i guess it was it was a lot of me listening to it and just kind of figuring out what i'm playing what i'm hitting stuff like that right so if you were to teach say somebody like me which i've never played drums in my life before mm -hmm. uh, what what's the first um process you would take me to take me into i would probably ask like if you have a favorite song and then we'd work from there so even if the song was like in insanely crazy double kicks you know all that yeah. crazy stuff i would say just like i would say take your favorite song try to learn it but don't learn it note for note more like learn it uh at a more digestible process so yeah. like let's start off with a very simple four four just to get the the basic beat of it and then we can start adding stuff eventually like you know little fills or a little right accents and stuff like that so what would be the most easy song to, to learn because i find that uh michael jackson's beat it would be a good good one to start out first. oh yeah so absolutely a lot of a lot of pop or hip-hop uh, a lot of rap songs are really good too because those songs are very consistent beat right and um very easy to sort of figure out where the downbeat is figure out what the groove is kind of like recognizable songs definitely right um because when i um uh, was watching youtube um a video on youtube um it, it's that one little beat that you know the michael jackson beat a beat um mm -hmm. that's in so many other songs i guess they they, they just take that and put ad ad around it you know different styles mm -hmm. but the majority is the same beat you know yeah, so, I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah, so I guess if you learn the Michael Jackson beat, it beat you got like a plethora of songs that other you know to go to, you know. Exactly. So that would be awesome. So, uh, tell us about your studio. Um, what 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 were the criteria in setting it up, and how does the envi environment influence the creative process? My studio. Um, 
Like my at-home studio? Yes. At-home studio, your regular studio. I mean, like, uh, yeah, just uh, give us a, uh, an idea of, 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 like, both environments. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, there's, uh, for myself and also, there's a total of three studios that we kind of go through. Um, we'll start from home and then we'll move outwards. So at home, I'm in my little you know, home, home studio at the room. I have a computer with my drum kit next to me. Um, it's an electric kit so that I could just play, you know, if an idea comes up in mind late at night, I could kind of bang it out, so to speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and it connects to the computer, which is right next to it. So, you know, I could just record a uh, MIDI drum straight onto Reaper, which is a uh, uh, audio editing software, audio recording software. Mm-hmm. Use all that and uh, write ideas. A lot of times I'm writing off of ideas that RHG has already written. So Chris, he would write like a lot of guitar riffs and stuff. And I would just add a drum beat on top of it if there isn't already one. Yep. And um, so that's at home. And once we move out, we go into band practice space where we practice at Chris's place. And I guess that would be like the second studio because a lot of times that's when all the creative minds get together and collaborate on, on a song or ideas and stuff like that. From there, we move on to, I guess, the actual studio, which uh, we record. Currently, we're recording in uh, Michigan. Our studio is in Michigan right now for 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 future RHD stuff. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, I've heard so many people. Well, I'm 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 not a musician. I just love music. <laughs> but I heard, um, you know, being on YouTube, I heard that so many people don't dislike Reaper. Um, mm. and I don't know why that is. Do Do you have any idea, or like, do you find Reaper more, um, easier or or user friendly to you than other other applications? I enjoy Reaper because um, it is free to to start off with that's always nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's free but uh, i guess because it's being being free i guess you might be limited on a few features that uh, that other programs do offer right uh, i'm not too sure which ones yet because I've, i guess i've never reached the point of uh, requiring more of it right um so free is good but also it might be just more of a preference thing as well like um does it have what you need Right, yeah. It's all about what 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 you like and what you can do with that. Um, exactly. Program. Does yeah. it have what you need, and does it? And can you do what you need to do on it? Right, right. And free is like the best price ever, you know. So we can't go wrong with that. Yeah, free is the best price yeah. ever. It, it it definitely does. Uh, it does come with an option to purchase it. Um, okay. Which I'm, I'll assume that when you purchase it, that's when you start to get more stuff. But uh, right, right. I, I I haven't needed that stuff yet. <laughs> right, and let's hope you don't. Right, keep it free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so with more and more musicians creating more stuff than music than ever, um, what does this mean for you as an artist in terms of originality? Ooh, in terms of originality. Yeah. Um, I guess that's always hard to say because music creative minds work differently but the ideas sometimes might end up sounding the same uh, whether it be like you know the same influences because 
you know, let's say RHD would be band A, and then you have a different band out there in the world that's labeled as band B. We've never met each other. We've never heard of each other, but we probably have the same influences. And so one of our, one or two of our songs might sound alike. Um, and if one band has more following than the other, then the crowd will think that one band sort of started at first and the other band copied each other. Right. But, but it's a case of like, no, we just have the same influences. Yeah. And we're not copying each other. We're both copying the influence. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's so many songs that sound alike, but, but honestly, there's like no connection between stealing or borrowing their music, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. cause I, cause I don't know if you heard of, uh, well, I'm, well, I'm sure I'm positive you've heard of Vanilla Ice and, um, and Ice Ice maybe scandal with them, with them doing, um, possibly taking Queens under pressure song. Yes, that was yeah, a yeah. really big deal back then. So I don't know who won that, you know. So I I never really kept up with that one, but I loved Vanilla Ice back in the day. So was wasn't um? I mean, I always thought that Vanilla Ice just kind of sampled that song, didn't didn't he? He said that he did sample the song, but. He he said that he added one thing to the last oh, to the last part. And I'm like, okay, well, this is not you know, I'm I'm, I'm confused now. <laughs> oh yeah. no! <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what what the outcome was, but um, oh. yeah, I need to look that up again because that was a that was that was a big deal, you know. Back, yeah, back that's then. interesting. Yeah. I might look that up as well. Yeah, uh, with musicians that, um, more than ever on the scene uh, and more crossover genres happening. Uh, what does this mean for you as an artist in terms of originality once, once again? So with crossover genres? Yes. I think I think it's a great thing. Um, with more crossovers happening, we're getting more different types of sounds available. And with different types of sounds, the crowd becomes more and more open-minded. Right. Uh, which is great because that kind of... Uh, you're not you're no longer being pigeonholed to your genre or the band or expectation of sound right because you know artists grow bands grow the scene the music scene grows and so does the audience and we're always evolving preferences are always changing so if the band's preference change but the crowd preference hasn't changed then there's so there might be some sort of disconnect but since a lot of um, genre crossovers are happening now. I think that's, yeah. I think that's great. I that's, think that's great. That's a very good thing because I really love this. Um, this one song by um, Georgia, Florida Line, Florida, Florida Georgia Line. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And they did this song. I forget what this song is called, but they did it with Nelly. And oh. and when Nelly comes in, it just gives you an extra punch, you know, in the you know in the face, and it's so good, you know. That sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, I have to listen um, to that. Yeah, I, I I think Nelly did it with again with Tim McGraw, another country artist, and they, yeah. and it blends so well together, you know. So I'm I'm, I'm really impressed with all these crossovers happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, what kind of drum gear do you endorse? My I mean, endorse. Do, do you have any favorite sticks or drum heads or? Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm endorsed by a few companies. Uh, with sticks specifically, I am with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. Okay. Great, great Canadian band. Um, very eco-friendly band. The sticks that I use from them uh, is called. Uh, the type of sticks are actually red hickory sticks. So it's it's sticks that are made with 
closer base wood i guess like instead of the body of the wood it's more closer to like the stump area so this the wood is stronger right great sticks they've lasted me for a very long time uh i feel bad because i rarely have to order sticks from them because the sticks that i get from them last so long oh no (laughs) so i would would get a message from them and be like hey um can we can you like order some more sticks right i'm like i i'm sorry but my sticks aren't even broken yet (laughs) right yeah because i saw a um uh, just today i i I looked on the um youtube once again i'm gonna bring youtube a lot here (laughs) um but uh I I subscribed to this Dromeo um, channel, and mm-hmm. the guy was testing out Vader sticks, you know, to see how long they would break. And it took him over ten thousand um, drum hits for him to break. They had to really pound on them to actually really? break. Yeah. So um, yeah, Vader's a a really good um, company that that, that mm-hmm. I've heard from other drummers too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm also with Vradim. Um so they're a drum shoe company, Vratim, V-R-A-T-I-M. I don't, I'm not too sure what it's actually called because I've heard a lot of artists call it something different like Vratim, Vratim, Vratim. Right. I guess there's one of those words where it doesn't matter what, you know, I mean, you can put the syllable on some other, you mm. know, some other emphasis, you know. So, yeah, I think yeah. I've just never, I don't think I've ever heard like an official i've never officially heard the company say it before that might be why oh okay so it's still yeah. up in the air right uh, but they make yeah they're they make uh merchandise uh specifically drum shoes which are really great like really flat bottoms so you can feel the 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 contact between the feet and the pedal so it's right. more like precise very comfortable shoes you could wear them casually outdoors as well yeah yeah because um I, I think you would have your calves burning on fire because that intro for Nebuchadnezzar that we just heard at the beginning of the show, man, mm. you, mm, I don't know how you do, do deal with the the feeling after the fact of the <laughs> show because, man, I couldn't, you know, do it. So you, you must have, like, calves of steel. <laughs> <laughs> your your body definitely gets used to it. It's like a, it's like a muscle memory type of thing, you know? Right. When you, the, it's like the first day going to the gym versus the tenth day going to the gym. The first day, there's always a big burn, but it's, 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 it's always the hardest too. Exactly, yeah. by the, but by the tenth day, you're like, ah, oh, I can get used to this. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, as a drummer, um, what gear makes you feel complete when you're on the road? Like, what are the must-have items um, that you know you can't go without? Mm, like drummer, otherwise? Yes. Oh, I always have with me my laptop. Um, but we also, that's also an essential because my laptop is used on stage for the set itself. Okay. Uh, the set. How does that work? I mean, like, do do you bring your electronic drum kit with you or? So it's, uh, on stage I use real drums, but my laptop serves as a, uh, our set is programmed on the laptop. So a lot of the. Like uh, any synths that you hear in the background or guitar changes uh, with pedals. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are some songs where the guitar tones change throughout the song. Mm -hmm. And rather than having the guys come up to it and and stomp it on their feet, it just automatically changes so that they can focus on playing the notes rather than, you know, taking the time to walk to the side or walk to the front of the stage to press a button. Right. Um, and because a lot of our shows, you know, if you're playing a lot of shows, um, especially if you're not the main artist, you're like the supporting band, they'll say, okay, you get 25 minutes on stage 
and we have to sort of program 25 minutes just so we know just so that we don't get in trouble and say oh we played overtime we played under time it's like nope yeah we i can hit play on the laptop boom 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 25 minutes goes by and we are in the clear yeah so what happens if if you play overtime do they like fine you or something because i'm not sure how it works uh i guess it really depends on the band if going overtime it's generally you know you you want to stick to the rules but if if it ever happens that maybe there's some sort of technical issue and you have to go just a bit over time right that's okay uh like maybe one or two minutes but you don't if you know you're overtime and you're still playing an extra song that's that's a little frowned upon it just doesn't make you look good as like a professional musician mm-hmm. yeah it's all about professionality on right. stage so uh besides your laptop what other items must you bring with you on tour Ooh, I used to say I used to bring my Nintendo 3DS with me. Okay, uh, oh, that's a good feature. <laughs> I, I I used to bring that just to play Monster Hunter as well because I it's also on DS. Yeah. Uh, but I think with the most recent tours, it's always been like m- more of it, it became like extra weight. I ended up not playing it because I think I've just. With most recent tours, I've been more occupied doing other stuff, so I just really never had a chance to turn it on right. and play. Right. Occasionally, I would bring a book with me. Um, I would try to read it. I would probably get to like chapter two, and then, and then the tour it. actually, <laughs> and then the tour starts rolling along, and you're like, "Oh, wait, now I'm occupied." Yeah, I gotta, gotta, I gotta go to sleep instead of reading the books. Because <laughs> um, it's like it's either I'm driving or right, or I'm listening to music. So. Yeah, cause I, cause I did look at your um um uh, uh, channel and I saw you drive like a big old um van, white van. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess pretty um, cause I can't imagine driving, and and like one of them you drove from like from Texas to Florida, in like four hours or something. And like I can't sit. Well, I I sat through a long a long um a long drive between mm-hmm. Florida and Mississippi, but. I can't imagine driving all the way around the country, you know, within like a day or a day or a day and a half. You know, I get that, oh, yeah. that, that that must be be, be pretty uh, redundant and, and boring. It can get pretty boring. Thankfully, um, I'm not the only driver. The rest of the band does drive as well, so right. we yeah. always take shifts. And I think when you're in a vehicle with the right people, there's always good conversations going, and everybody's in like a uh, an understanding state where we're able to have. You know, if we know someone's having a good day, where we can kind of either a make that person feel better or b let that person have their space, right. depending on who yeah. it is. Uh-huh. That's cool. So it works out nicely. That's and plus, cool. if you're because we're you know five Canadians, four or five Canadians, <laughs> yeah, the states is all new to us. So whenever we're driving from state to state, it, it, there's always something new to see, something interesting to stop along. Right. It's always sightseeing for us. Uh, speaking of stopping along places, uh, can you tell me about Bucky's? Because I never heard of the Bucky's before, but because I lived in in Florida for like six years and I never, uh, I never saw Bucky's. Yeah, so that's like a a. Ooh, I don't even know is how that, to explain that like what a Florida, that is. A Florida only place, or like, is there another Bucky somewhere else? I believe it's more of the Texas area. Um, I might be wrong on that, but I think it's more Texas area. Okay. It is a, I'm going to say it's a gas station franchise. Right. Um, that really knows how to merchandise themselves. So they have like a, 
a whole ton of merch, uh, shirts, um, a lot of Bucky's themed food, which is just food, but with the Bucky's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> label yeah. or local. I guess that's the Bucky's brand. They they stamp on your packages or something. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's like you go to one of their Bucky's mega gas station. It's like it's it's a store within itself. It's like a giant Walmart basically. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And your WalMarts in the states are already pretty huge. Right. Yeah. They they are they are pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, can you tell me what are your drum goals or do you? I mean I I mean I know you have have some um because as as uh, humans, we're always evolving and learning um, better and a lot quicker. Um, so, do you have any drum goals, current current ones, right now that you want to accomplish? Yeah, uh, currently, I want to I want to improve myself uh, on drums. Basically, you know, a lot of people a lot of people always watch a lot of drummers and think that they're the greatest thing on stage. But every drummer has their own little kinks that they have to work on uh whether it be the conversation between hand and foot patterns or just nailing it down certain grooves or just overall improving the tightness on stage right i think that's where i'm at um in january after our tour we went to a event called nam uh which is the I always forget what it's called. The national. Yeah, it's like a big. It's like a big. Um, it's like a convention for musicians, right, or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I would love to go there. You know. Yeah. It's it's a great place. It's really cool. You meet a lot of cool people, and yeah. So I met, I when I was there, I met a whole lot of drummers, and um, I was so inspired while I was there. I was kind of like, wow, I I really need to work on this and that, and I'm still lacking on this, and I still need improvement on that. So. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of uh, current goals right now is just to improve my drumming, yeah. and um, what better time than than now? True, yeah, always, you know. Uh, so what state is Nam? Um, I mean, it's like a it's like a touring convention, or do they just do like one state? It uh, I think they do uh, two per year. The biggest one is the one that happens in January. Okay, and that's always in Anaheim. Okay. Uh, and then the second one, which is a smaller one, I think that one takes place in New York, I believe. I might be wrong. Okay, uh, so that's near me. Because <laughs> I'm in yeah. South Carolina, so that would be the, the better, better mm. of the two for me to go to, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. But definitely the January one is the, the large one that everybody goes to, where all the... Um, all the companies go to all the celebrities and stuff like that. Right. Uh, speaking of celebrities, like Nam, have you met any like, like like big, big, big time celebrities like the like the more famous drummers? Hmm. More famous drummers. Yeah. Like. Um, I guess that really depends on what people consider as famous. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I've met drummers from bands that I've you know grown up listening to, like stuff like. Trivium or um, uh, let me see here. I mean, like Periphery. I've met there. I've met Matt Halpern. I've met uh, Dance Gamma Dance drummer, Vale Maya drummer, mm. and I consider them famous. I right. mean, they're 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 a big a big portion of my life. But I know that to someone else, they're like, what's 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 Periphery? So, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. In terms of famous, I'm I'm not too sure. Okay, uh, okay, um, okay. So when you're not touring, 
Uh, what is your practice kit like? Like, do you use or do you prefer a normal kit over the electronic kit, or is it vice versa? If it were up to me off tour, I would love to just play on a real drum kit all day. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the only problem is where the place that I live, um, I don't think the neighbors would be happy. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it's so, so loud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got to reduce myself to an electric shit. And even with the electric kit, I'm still worried. I, I have this, uh, I'm very self-conscious when I'm playing drums at home because yeah. even though it's an electric kit, I, I just feel like it's still loud for for someone. Right. And plus yeah. you can uh, uh, select what, what kind of kit you want on the electronic drum kit, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So you get to experiment a lot more with, with different sounds, which is a little mm -hmm. great, you know. I've definitely had days where I'm playing, like, uh, I'm using, like, an electronic, like, a very electro-sounding kit, which is really cool. So, it's, we're, like, back in the 80s type of sound. Right. Where yeah. it's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> right, yeah. Or, um, because I've, um, because I had a buddy who, who has, who had an electronic kit and, and, and one kit sounds like, it's like an alien, alien drum kit. Oh, I love that's those. That's pretty weird. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know if that's the... That would be a, that would be a, well, I guess if you lived in like Mars or something, you know, and you played like a metal band, <laughs> you can actually yeah, tap it in and, you know, do something strange. Um, yeah, exactly. With that. Yeah, so. Um, as we know now, you are the second drummer from Red Hand in Denial. Yes. Um, so coming in as a new drummer in 2013, uh, how did they feel working with the other members uh, that's been there since two, two, 2008? I mean, did they, did they take... Take, take you along with them like instantly or did you you know i was uh it, it was nerve-wracking for sure right because <laughs> because stepping into something that's already established because they already have like a system in motion and they already have their flow of their workflow and whenever i come in as a new member it always feels like i might be like a stick in the mud and i don't want to i didn't want to provide too many opinions or options or suggestions because it's like I shouldn't be interrupting them right now all right and when I joined actually I was um we were a month away from studio so I basically joined and said okay learn all these songs uh because we're going to studio next month and I'm like okay great <laughs> yeah but I guess I might have I guess I proved myself um Chris was very instrumental in all of this basically him and I had kept in contact for a very long time. Okay. And when their drummer left, Chris approached me because he knew that my band at the time was kind of falling apart as well. Um, so he was like, hey, Tyson, do you want to like audition for RHD? And I was like, of like, course I do. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah, because yeah, yeah. at that time I was also a fan of RHD as well. Right. And so Chris was like, great, if you want to audition, uh, learn these three songs and... and uh, We'll take it from there. So I learned uh, Dance, Lola, Dance. No, which learn? Yeah, Dance, Lola, Dance, Fine Lines, My Side, and oh, there was a third song. I don't remember which one. It might have, it might have been like a really early version of uh, Stories of Old, okay. the song itself. Right. Uh, speaking. I, oh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I had those. It was recorded on video, and uh, I recorded. I filmed it, recorded it, sent it over to the band, and they listened to it. They, they liked it, and 
from there they invited me to a jam session where we mm. kind of like you know feel it out in person right and uh yeah they liked it so that's how i became a member of rhg awesome awesome mm. um well how um okay so when you were learning new songs um uh, did you like pick it up right away or did one song give you the most trouble um with stories of old with stories of old a lot of it was a lot of it was pretty easy uh mm. but it it came about less it was less technically difficult it was more just memorizing difficult like when when a course kicks in and and what pattern is because it's already pre-written joined uh this album was about uh, 85% written at this point okay so it was just me memorizing it. And right. uh, everything from Stories of Old was very adaptable, very playable. Yeah. Uh, there were parts. Actually, Nebuchadnezzar was one of the more difficult songs I oh, had. Right. Yeah, that's a bad song, dude. That just kicks in with a double drum, you know, double yeah. bass. And the intro nothing. pattern, I guess, I had, I had the most trouble figuring out because uh, the versions that I was given, like the demo versions, it was a little muddier so i guess it was hard to try to figure out the actual pattern yeah okay so uh you mentioned stories of old which is the um debut album of that you uh came in um what was the recording for the first album that you played on which is stories of old um how, how did the recording process feel um you know what what what, what was it all like for a for a first time we're going to studio to record an album it was it was interesting it was interesting it was a very cold studio uh this this was with mark mark jostle i think was the one that recorded it i don't think he does music anymore but uh we went there we used a drum kit i think we did the entire album on drums first mm-hmm. and um definitely a few changes were made in studio right and those were always the parts that get me the most because it's like you're so used to playing one thing and then they're like, okay, we're making a change and learn it and let's play it. Because, right. you know, with studio time is money as well. So yeah, you have yeah, to go over there. You have to, you have to work within a certain time frame. Right. There's a lot of pressure when you go into studio. I've always, okay, so um, I've always wanted to know this question. Um, so when you record just the... The th- the songs, mm-hmm. um, and you you said you recorded the drums first, right? Yes. I always want to know how drummers know what the, what the song would actually sound like before the other instruments come into play. I mean, did I mean did they give you like a like an outline of what it's supposed to sound like, and you just do that, and then if, if something doesn't work, you go back and try to try to fix it the best that that you can, or if it's uh, if it's an original song that you're like if if it's a band written song or if it's a band going into studio they a lot of times studios won't even accept you unless you have um, demo tracks right so you would have to record that at home first just so there's a reference for the studio person to know what they're recording mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time that's kind of like that's your reference as well to the song it's kind of like you've been practicing the song for a while so you're going to studio, you're just playing the song. A lot of times you're playing from scratch. Uh, you're playing to just a click track, but uh, 
Okay. There are some times where you're playing on top of the demo in your ears, so that, that serves as a reference as well. Right. Okay, cool. Because I've always wondered how, how drummers know what to, what to um, you know, I mean, their, their timing, their uh, bass drum, do, do they need mm -hmm. any uh, high, I, 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 yeah, I just wanted to know about that. So mm -hmm. that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, for something um, like this, it's definitely... Uh, because with a metal band, it's very a lot of things has to be technically driven, and very uh, clarity is a very important thing for our music. Right. You know, if if the guys are playing a riff on guitar, we want to be able to hear each note, and each note has to make sense on the actual recording. So we have to. We definitely play to a uh, a tempo or a a metronome. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so Story of the Boat came out in 2013, and Redeemer, which is the uh, which is the most recent album, uh, mm -hmm. came out in 2019, and you played them uh, played on them both. Um, can you tell me what the differences in bef in between Stories of Old compared to Redeemer? Ooh, the differences are, it's a much, for the band, it's a much higher, higher quality of writing, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot more involved in Redeemer. There's, it's, it's, it's crazier. It's more frantic, uh, yeah. and even on drums, it's like, it's, it's more intense. Right. I'm sure that that killer cast too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And with and with intensity comes more practice required, more preparation required. Right. And um, during the Redeemer writing days, I was very, very uh, unprepared. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> during that specific time, there was a lot that was happening in my life that was uh, that was kind of like I wasn't able to be in front of a drum kit for extensive periods of time. Yeah, and so I had to play keep up, uh, basically during all the practices, like band practices. Mm. I, I wasn't able to play at home as often, and it really showed when we hit when we hit studio. Uh, being very underprepared really really showed in studio. Right. Um. Yeah, because uh, I've listened to both albums and Redeemer sounds gonna be a lot more heavier because uh, Lawrence's vocals have gotten a little bit more um, well, well uh, essentially vocal. You know, I mean, you 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 can hear her her tone as she sings, and she's uh, doing a lot of a lot of screaming more more often. Mm -hmm. So that's a really badass um, album, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. So, um, yeah, there's like this growth in everybody right. between Redeemer and uh, Stories of Old. There's like everybody's gotten better at their instruments. Everybody's gotten better at writing. Everybody's gotten better at like understanding each uh, each member and what they're asking for in the song as well. So yeah, because that, that's that's what so many years between the two two, two albums. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a lot of time. Right, it is. It is. Um, so uh, can you t okay? So I've been looking at your. Um, album cover for this um redeemer album and it's pretty much um it's well it's pretty pretty awesome to me but i but i just want to um get your input on like what am i seeing here because um for people who um doesn't know about this album this album is great but the album mm -hmm. cover cover is, is is something uh curious and awesome at the same time it's uh, two. Uh, it's a couple uh, hugging each other, and mm -hmm. 
uh, to the left and to right of them, there it's like dust falling off of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you can you explain to me, like who created this cover and how and how did you come up with the concept of it? Yeah, so this artwork is actually from a uh, a, a Polish artist. His name is Tomasz. I think it's Tomasz Allen Kopera. Thomas Allen Kopera. Mm-hmm. I might be saying that wrong, but he um, if you look at him online, he has like a his website is just full of like really beautiful art that has uh, has to deal with a lot of like humanity and just interpersonal beings i guess right uh this album cover specifically the pictures really stood out to us there was a few that that we were gonna choose from but we ended up going with this one because i think it best describes the album because you know the album is called redeemer and right the way that we see this photo it looks like these two people are sort of redeeming themselves and through the redemption process they're kind of finding each other and even with each other they're also redeeming it's like redeeming redeem inception um and with all the with all the grayness that's happening at the bottom that's kind of like all the evils that we're going through and all the uh you know the history and like the story itself and it, it kind of relates to uh, Wanderer as well, because Wanderer, our, our EP Wanderer, mm-hmm. is is a story within itself, and Wanderer kind of leads into Redeemer. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like progression. the the album The album art for Redeemer is sort of like progression and redemption between people. Wow, that's yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, I, I, you couldn't explain it any better, I think, because that's a perfect, <laughs> perfect explanation of what the album. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how Lauren did. You, did uh, did you have a chance to ask Lauren how that one, what that was? I did not. That's the only question I forgot to ask her. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, yeah. but uh, hopefully yeah. we'll have her back, and uh, you know, I can ask her about that cover. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's my interpretation. Right. Uh, maybe everyone else has it differently in the band, but yeah. that's how I see it, at least. Okay, so when you um, decided on the cover, okay, so did you get the artist about like like uh, what you are looking for, or, and did he send you like like? Cause I know you just said you you picked from several several covers, mm-hmm. um, but did you did did he get, did he give him some kind of reference on what would to go on first, or how to or how did that work out? This one is actually a pre-existing image that uh, he already had available. Oh, okay, and. Um... Yeah, so on his website, he has about, like, I'm not sure how many he has, maybe about, like, 50 to 100 paintings that he's done. Okay. And we looked through it, and we're like, wow, these are all beautiful, but which one do we do? Right. So we chose the one that we wanted, and basically just kind of, we, it's licensed work. So just basically, like, hey, we want to use this one for our album. How much is it? Um, And then kind of work through that contract with him, and, and then it's ours. Yeah, ours to use. So every time you sell an album, I guess uh, like a, like a small portion goes to him, right? Depending on the contract, this one specifically okay. was just kind of like where it's like a one-time purchase and that's it. Oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But nice. there definitely are some artists out there that's like, if you want to use it, I want a percentage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which is always great to pay it one time and then you don't have to worry about it in in, in the future. Mm-hmm. Which, um, but I mean, we also don't mind the whole. Um, we don't mind dishing out a percentage because you know that person worked hard on it. And right, and that's such a beautiful artists. cover too. Yeah, 
Exactly, and artists should artists should help other artists. Exactly, so. exactly. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So, uh, talking about album covers, um, what would you? What's your um, considering? Uh, what is your favorite metal album cover? My favorite metal album cover. Cover, mm. yeah. I can tell you mine because I'm because I want you to think about this. Mine is the Dio Holy Diver. Um. I, I don't know if you well you probably seen it before so I'm not gonna um but uh I think that the a most a uh, metal version of any kind of cover is uh, Dio you know Holy Diver like I said because it has the I guess it's Satan um uh throwing chains on a like a priest in the water so I think that's the most brutal awesome cover I've ever seen in my life before. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's like evil versus good or something, you know, so. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you? Ooh, this, this is a tough one for yeah, me. Uh, yeah. I think I might know. Hold on. I'm just opening up Spotify here. I'm just right, yeah. scrolling down the list of things. <laughs> right. Take your time. I think there might be one, though. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I think one of my favorite album covers. Mm -hmm. Might actually be. Hmm. Might be Dance Gavin Dance actually. Okay. I might be a little biased just because Dance Gavin Dance is one of my favorite bands. Right. But I think my favorite album cover from them is their. Ooh, I don't remember which album number this one was. <laughs> but uh, the album is Downtown Battle Mountain Two. So it is a. Uh, their first, their first full-length album was called Downtown Battle Mountain. I guess one at this point, and there's a very specific art style with that cover. Yeah. Um, and through the band's history, they've lost members, they've gained members. You know, a lot of lineup changes. When by the time it got down to Downtown Battle Mountain two, which was I think maybe three albums later since Downtown Battle Mountain one, um, the original singer came back the the original sort of sound and lineup sort of returned right and and so they wanted to reflect in the album and so what they did with that album cover for downtown battle mountain 2 was they kind of just rehashed the original album cover but made it more like futuristic looking yeah because i'm looking at it right now and it's and it's kind of confusing that but at one time because you got an elephant in there and it's <laughs> like i don't know what else because it's very small but um yeah, it's it's very cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. So they went with why. the same they went with the same artist for all their album covers and so there's this whole theme about uh animals and robots living together in this type of futuristic uh cartoonish era. It's really cool. Right. So um I got two more questions and then um I'll let you go. Um first question, first last question is um during this COVID uh virus outbreak uh what was the last concert you've been to before this outbreak happened the last concert that i've been to hmm yeah before this hmm. whole virus stuff hmm i think the last concert i mean aside from any of the shows that we've played right. i think the last concert that i've actually been to was it was a veil of maya show i believe it was uh Periphery was the headliner, uh, and who else was playing? It was Periphery, Veil of Maya, uh, Covet, 
and oh, that might it might have been just those three bands together. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah, that was like a it happened just down the street from where I lived too, which is really nice. Right. I just walked to it. Yeah. I think the last cut I've been to was uh, Cannibal Corpse and I just sent it. Um, and here in Columbia, Ooh. South Carolina, because I, because the Lord told me y'all played here, and I totally, totally didn't see it, you know. Uh, uh, oh. Otherwise, I would have came out there and supported you all. But yeah, South Carolina yeah. is so fun. Oh, really? Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, y'all can come back. Yeah. Yeah. Lots oh, of stuff will. to do here, you know. Um, so I did think of one more question. So I got another two more, two more questions. Um. As we know, you can't trust everything on the internet. And I have your Wikipedia up on Rehanded Nile. And it says here that you toured with Trivium. Is that correct? No, we performed with Trivium. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so um, uh, tell me how is that? Because I am a big all-time fan of Trivium. Mm-hmm. And Matt Heffy is like one of uh, Is a Heffy or Heffy? I think it's heavy. Okay, yeah, because he's my we he's one of the all time greatest guitarists ever. Oh, he's amazing! Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, it was it was awesome. Uh, I was also a or I mean I am a fan. Yeah. Uh, of Trivium, I grew up on Trivium. Well, Ascendancy came out during my high school years, and um, I, I I listened to that nonstop. Trivium was the reason why I got into double bass, uh, double kick drums, because uh, I wanted to play like pull pull harder. Uh, on the strings of your martyr, I think it's called. Right. I love that song. Yeah. That whole album is great. Ascendancy is such a great album. And yeah. when our, I think our manager at the time messaged us, one, one uh, fall evening, one autumn evening, we got a message <laughs> saying, "Hey, there's an offer to open for Trivium. Do you guys want to take it?" Yes. <laughs> I think with within a second, I was like, "Yes, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes." yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of funny because a few other members of the band, you know, everyone has different uh, what they listen to and yeah. different preferences. Right. So some of the members were like, "What's I've never heard of Trivium before," what? and I'm like, "Dude, what? you have yeah, like just get off of get off of the the group chat, go listen to a song right yeah. now." That's like a yeah. that's like a mortal sin right there, not to be able yeah. to hear of Trivium. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, I think. I think of the entire band, I might have been the only Trivium fan. Um, wow. Okay. Which is odd. So I was like, yeah. so I was like, when we got that offer, I was like, yes, we have to take this yeah. because, a, I love Trivium. B, it's going to be an, an awesome show, and C, I love Trivium. So right, yeah. A, B, and C, yeah. Um, yeah, because when I saw Trivium back at the House of Blues at Myrtle Beach, um, this years ago, I, mm-hmm. I I met Corey. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Corey Blayu, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. and he, it's something I, 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 I asked him something in here and it was along, along the lines of what, what was your hardest album to, to, uh, to record. Mm-hmm. And he said that, that the crusade was very hard cause they had, they only had a limit to six to like, I think six days they recorded in, in like six days or something. Six days. Yeah. I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah. So he thought that, 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 that album wasn't, um, very well received better you know because they only had six days to record it i'm like what and he's like yeah man they had a really really strict schedule on us and mm-hmm. we had crusade to... came out pretty soon after ascendancy too yeah because uh, uh, crusade came out on october 10th and ascendancy came out on march 15th of 20 of 
2009. It's like like a year later almost. Mm-hmm, exactly. So yeah, so I'm I'm really impressed about that album because that album has some great 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 stuff, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so our last question for you, sir, is what are you listening to right now? What are some bands that you can uh, um, give me to listen to? Or give the word Windward Sail Nation. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, I've actually been jamming a lot of K-pop stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of bands, uh, let me see here. There, there hasn't been a very consistent like what am I constantly listening to? Mm-hmm. But I can name a few things that I have been that have been jamming. Um, yeah. Let me see here. Oh, my friends in uh, Hollow Front. I love their album. Um, Hollow Front. They just released an album called Loose Threads. And I've been jamming that one a lot recently. Mm, what else? What else? Some. Oh man, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because <laughs> um, also, what I do is when I listen to music, it's always on shuffle too. So it's right. always like, yeah. I seem to always gravitate towards. Um, I don't know. Emerosa's been stuck in my head for a while uh some some of that new issues album mm-hmm. okay cool yeah, yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah something like that. yeah uh well uh we thank you for um for coming on the show today um and i'm sorry you couldn't talk to my co-host brosley but he has some house duties like i said earlier mm-hmm. um so yeah maybe next time yeah right yeah, yeah, that, oh, yeah please come back because we we love to talk to you again um oh um is there a new album coming out shortly, or or, or is it in process, or how? You know, it is in process right now. Nice. Uh, we have we have half of it. We have half of half. So what's that like? Twenty five percent. I guess we have twenty five percent of an album recorded right now. Uh, but because COVID happened, we're yeah. trying to we're reconfiguring what we want to do. Whether we want it to, whether we should just finish the album completely. Or if we want to turn it into an EP, or like what we're 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 figuring that out right now. Yeah. Okay. But there is new music on the way. Cool. Uh, and, Absolutely. And, and do we know when it's coming out? That Ooh, one? that one's that one's uh, even. Oh, it's harder, right? Like that's way in the air. Okay. Yeah, probably sometime next year, maybe. Hopefully. Oh, Hopefully. Oh, okay. It might be. I'm gonna say if it if it is next year, it probably would be, maybe, uh, uh, springtime. Hmm. Maybe springtime next year if if things go according to plan. Right. Cool. Yeah. That'd be nice because I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of y'all and I can't wait to hear it. So. Mm-hmm. So. I think we're I think we're fast tracking one song right now just to to release earlier as a single. So. Maybe maybe it will be a single by the end of the year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. Uh so thank uh, so once again thank you for coming on and uh and uh, doing this interview with us and we can't wait for you to come back uh next thank year so after much. the album comes out. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can tell us more about that. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.